You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. It's Fight Night here on uh, the channel. Welcome. This is the, uh, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show, episode number 96. We will be talking a big weekend of MMA predominantly this weekend, as well as uh, we'll be joined by uh, another top name from combat sports. But uh, as usual, you can get uh, this podcast live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter at the moment and uh, of course if you prefer your podcast in audio form we are available now as part of the sports social podcast network you can get not only the danny danny button fight show but all the content and shows produced by ace podcast nation so do check them out that's the sports social podcast network the uk's first all sports 
Podcast Network. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe to that YouTube channel. Click the bell for notifications and drop a little like on the video. All these things help us to, uh, to go further up the search menus and all that sort of stuff. Help us with the algorithms, as it were. But uh, joining me, as ever, he is a former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend. It is the old man himself, Mr. Daniel Button. How are you, buddy? Yeah, all right, sir. Yep, yeah, another great weekend of MMA. Bellator and UFC retreated too. And um, yeah, can't wait to get talking about that a little bit later. But good things before then, eh? Yes, mate. It's been a, it's been a really interesting week, actually, on the MMA uh, front. Got a few things to uh, throw your way. But, uh, but joining us, delighted to say, uh, on a little bit of short notice himself as well, is uh, Cage Warriors Welsh Bantamweight, Mr. Rory Evans. Welcome, buddy. How are you? How's it going, boys? You right? Yes, yeah, we yes, good. Appreciate you uh, you you jumping in as well because you were initially scheduled to come in next week with us, but um, uh, Sam Creasy was coming on this week. We had to rearrange, so Sam's hopefully going to be with us next week. Uh, he had a prior engagement this week, so yeah, to had to rearrange. But uh, luckily, I'm very organised and I've got guests yeah. booked for weeks. And uh, Rory was very flexible and just said, "Yeah, let's do it." Yeah. So uh, all good, I all good. Like it, mate. Um, First question I need to ask you before, so we can just see how this next hour is going to go. Um, Cardiff or Swansea? Swansea. <laughs> Unfortunately. Oh, well, then. Um, it's been a great show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> and, uh, we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> it's been a bad day. It's been a bad day on the football front. But uh, well, I don't follow, I don't follow we, football at all. Uh, that's, that's the main <laughs> thing. That's the main thing. That's see, that's I think that's what I need to do is yeah. not follow football, and then I'd be a lot happier. Yeah, therefore. But there we go. It is what it is, I suppose. Um, so I suppose the first normally I like to go back to the to the beginning of um, you know your career and stuff, and what got you into MMA, all that stuff. But we will get there. But I think um, I'd like to start with obviously you fought on the most recent Cage Warriors trilogy. Picking yeah. up a victory. Um, how was the experience fighting on the, you know, on the trilogy and just generally, uh, other than your fight, just the experience of a, a trilogy? Yeah, it was, it was quite a mad experience because obviously um, we're in the middle of the pandemic and all that, and uh, I just I just felt lucky to be fighting because well, no, no, there were no shows on, yeah. and um, it was a bit. It was a different experience. Obviously, you had to go up early, do all the testing. Then you couldn't leave your hotel, and you couldn't even go down to the to the lobby. Like, do you know what I mean, if we wanted something mm-hmm. ordered, we had to like go and find the runner to go and get us food, and so we couldn't leave the hotel for like two or three days until it was literally like the coach taking us to the venue. So yeah. that was a bit of a weird one. But then the whole um, the no well the my first fight first trilogy fight there was no crowd there, so that was pretty cool as well. I never fought in front of no crowd like you know. Yeah, new experience uh, today. These yeah. are the two, two, two trilogies you've done, didn't you? you yeah, yeah. The last two. With no fans and then the last one, yeah. It's, um, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like, yeah. I suppose fighting with no fans is a very unique experience. But I would imagine, you know, obviously no one wants the circumstances to be what they are. No. But on the other hand, I'd imagine it's also something like which you're kind of glad you got to experience as well. Would that be fair to say? Oh, yeah, 100%. Because... So like watching the UFCs when they didn't have any crowds and it was in the apex and all that. Yeah. And you could just you could hear everything, you hear all the strikes, all the shots, you know, you're the coaching and I just thought that you know, it looked 
pretty cool and then to actually experience it myself and it was it was pretty cool i was like yeah, you're on a bit of a tear as well um was it four four fight win streak at the moment um that's a, a nice little uh three of those on cage warriors yeah and, uh, one on adrenaline but i mean and and to be fair to you wesley meyer i think he's a pretty um it's a good notch on the belt coming you know as you as you're on this win streak and you look in to push on like Wesley Meyer is a pretty well-known name, and he, I suppose, in in the in the European circuit, in the local circuit, whatever you want to say. Yeah, hundred um, percent. What was your preparation like? Did your preparation for the one without fans and the one with fans was it any different whatsoever? Um, not really, no, because they were both for Wesley Meyer, weren't they? Because I was meant to fight oh, yeah, him, course, and then yeah. he pulled out. That's so right. you know, but I was basically prepping for him for for two fights because he only pulled out. I think the week the week of the fight so i only had the new opponent for like five days or whatever it was um but yeah the preparation was just like you know you, you know what his game is he's not he's not going to wrestle he's not going to grapple he's just looking to beat you up on the feet he's quite aggressive and you know explosive uh calf kicks so we a lot of a lot of checking just not so much checking just making sure my knee was pointing the right direction so if he did kick you it was going to hurt him as well as hurting me um and obviously a lot of wrestling because I I want to implement my wrestling on him, and and we knew we tired as well. Like so, we just wanted to get gas, gas him out a bit as well. Like you know, yeah, for sure. And like that uh, Jimmy Fowl who you took on on short notice, like a week short notice. Like how was that in terms of like obviously part you had five days notice. I think it was six days notice. He yeah. was I think he was unbeaten one day as well. If I remember correctly, I think he was. Three and three at the time, I think. It's going off. No, it was his pro. It was his pro debut. To be ah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think he. Was, okay. I think he was like what, like Cage Warriors Southeast champion ah, amateur, okay. and then he made his debut. Got you. I made yeah. my memory when we were when we rely on my memory is when we. Yeah. Real I can't say nothing about that. So. But, uh, good. <laughs> but still, like South, you know, a South Cage Warriors Southeast champion, like he's obviously got something about him. Um, you know, this. I, I was looking at the Cage Warriors Southeast. Academy show from last week, and there's some real fighters on there, some real good fighters, like Sir Lee Mitchell fighting on there, Tom Mearns was fighting on there, like some proper fighters. Yeah, and I think yeah. if he's coming in as a champion from that, uh, you know, that region, then he's gonna certainly be a challenge. And um, you got him out of there in a couple of minutes, so you must have been when you're taking a fight on short notice, I would assume you're looking to just win by any means possible. Like, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's like you didn't have no time to prep for him. Obviously, like we watched a little bit of footage on him, like like the, the couple of days leading up to it. But like there wasn't really much to pr- prepare for it. He was he was kind of like a bit of an all rounder. He was like okay everywhere, but he didn't have no. He weren't like a specialist anywhere. So it was kind of just go out there and fight. There was really there was no there was no game plan. I, to be honest, I did want I did want to stand and strike a bit more, but I think he kind of like rushed in at one point and I. I shot for a single and then it just didn't get come back to the feet, you know what I mean? Because I end up finishing finishing with a ground and pound. Yeah, hundred percent. It's um yeah, it's uh, it's impressive, mate. Because I think I and I Danny I put this to you as well, mate, as an ex fighter and a coach now. Like sometimes as a coach, I'd imagine you don't want your fighters to take those short notice fights because you maybe don't know what to expect, but also got so much respect for guys who you know, their opponent pulls out and they're still looking for a 
some sort of fight. Um, you look at Oban, the, the other, I think it was not last trilogy, but trilogy before, his, his, his opponent pulled out and he went up, travelled up to London or Manchester, wherever it was, made weight, even though he didn't have an opponent, opponent and yeah, yeah. he would be, because, you know, he wants to, if someone pulls out or someone comes up, he wants yeah. to be ready. It's like, like being uh, game, isn't it? He's just yeah. game. End of, like. What's that like for a coach, Dan? Like, is there a point where you think, yeah, you don't want him to take those short notes, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's stressful. It's not to say that it's something that can't be done. Um, it really depends on what type of uh, student you're talking about, to be honest. Um, you know, if you think about someone like Jordan, the Senec, he's always training. And um, so he's always in pretty good condition. Um, he's always monitoring his weight. Um and he's ready to take a short notice opportunity if it's suitable for his career, if needed be. And, mm -hmm. um, and he still make good account of himself. Whereas you get other students that when they're out of a fight camp, you know, they do blow up with their weight a little bit. They still train, but they're no longer doing road work or, or heavy pad sessions uh, or even heavy sparring sessions. They, they sort of like just go through the motions of a class. You know, they're the type of ones that, probably won't have the opportunity to take a short, you know, short notice fight, maybe possibly upper weight, but then that goes against you in twofold, doesn't it? It's out of your normal comfort weight zone. Um, and you know, you're not in shape. Um, so really the only time I'd feel a, the slightest bit comfortable with it was, is when someone or when that particular student is, you know, highly dedicated in the way that he lives it as a lifestyle. And I think it can be done. I, you know, I, I took numerous opportunities and some of them really went in my favor. Some of them not so, but nevertheless, it's that risk you take, and some parts uh, of the fight game is taking risks. Yeah, and I think we talked, uh, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, about just being ready in case you get that, you might get like an opportunity which perhaps you wouldn't have got before, and it's being prepared so that if that opportunity happens to fall your way, you mm -hmm. know that you can be good to go. Um, yeah. It's kind of one of those things, I guess. Um Got a couple of questions in the live chat for you, uh, Rory. Um, the first one I saw just now, where's it gone? Uh, Rob, Rob Boyle says, um, what sort of opponent do you prefer? Submission specialist, grappler, striker, etc. What's your preference? Stand and bang? Yeah, like, I haven't really got a preference, to be honest. It's just, okay. you know, you, whatever's put in front of you and you prepare for that. Like, I, I, no. No, I don't think... It, Going into a fight knowing someone's an absolute banger, that's a bit on the back of your mind a bit. You know, someone who's got some serious power, like knockout power, you'd be like, oh, maybe I'd rather someone's going to pull guard, like, you know, but, mm. you know, that's not going to happen. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't got a preference, really. It's just, you know, whatever's put in front of you at the end of the day, you know. What, um, what do you reckon is, you, like, if you were assessing yourself, what do you think is the strongest part of your game? Um, I'd probably say my, my grappling wrestling is stronger than my striking. Or it's more of a case like I've been been able to implement it better on on fight day. Yeah, you know it's like in the gym you can feel really sharp. Then sometimes in the fight days you're not quite as sharp as you wanted to be. But I feel like my my wrestling and my grappling, um, I put it together like I do in the gym. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think it's fair enough, right? Um, yeah. And then like uh, reset if your opponent changes. Does your training change? So if you're fighting like a, someone who's a wrestler, would you put in more more hours wrestling, etc.? But like you've just sort of answered that a little bit then when you said 
you know, you're prepared for whatever you're going to face. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's very difficult if you've only got five days' notice on that opponent, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, like mm. like you said, it's just whatever's in front of you, you prepare for that. Yeah, I, I just, I, you know, from a coach's perspective, it might surprise some of the people who are listening is that, say, if you do get, a, say, a wrestling heavy type of character and you know it's a, you know, a real big go to, um, you know, you would think that what you would train heavily in is your wrestling. But that's not always the case. And we did talk about this on a previous podcast, no, not many podcasts ago, about anti wrestling. You know, that's where a lot of footwork and avoidance, you know, if you train a fighter to be defensive against, uh, say, these Russian-style wrestlers and, and try to, like, dig under pummels, and you're, you're now wrestling. And, you know, no matter how good your defensive wrestling is, once you're wrestling and exchanging with someone that's a lot more superior to you with a five-minute round, you stand a good chance of losing that round. Um, yes, you might be able to resist them a little longer, but you're not going to be as efficient. You're going to be fully defensive. And you're going to be burning up more energy and not looking good on the scorecard. Yeah. So in, in aspects of having someone in that situation, you would actually train something in the opposite. You'd be working your footwork with your strike and your striking combinations, angling off, not to center line yourself where you can get easily picked up on a waist grab or the lead leg and so on and so forth. So you do a lot of circulated movements. Yeah, I like it, mate. I like it, mate. I, I, I love the... Um... The different ways of looking at it, like from a coach and a fighter, and just the just the, the different perspectives and stuff. I, I enjoy it. Mate. I could sit here and listen to it all night, and I will. Um, so, if we take you back, Rory, right right back to the kind of start of your journey into martial arts and, and combat sports, like how old were you when you first got into it, and and, and why did you get into it? Uh, I think I started jujitsu fifteen sixteen. I think it was 16 it was. Uh, yeah, so obviously I started jiu-jitsu first and then in the Chris Reese Academy. And I, I kind of went down with the kind of MMA in the back of my mind. Obviously I'd done a good year, year and a half of jiu-jitsu and then I kind of naturally progressed into the MMA side of things then. And then... Was this something like, um, did you have like an interest in MMA before you went, before you started going down there? Or I wasn't at a stage where I was like watching the UFC every weekend, but I was kind of aware of MMA. I was kind of like, I want to do that, but I wasn't like a mm. big fan at the time. Like I said, I went to jiu-jitsu um, with MMA kind of in the back of my mind. And then I just progressed then. Yeah, I like it, mate. What about um, in terms of other sports, mate? Is there any other sports that you were interested in? Like as a kid, and that. Yeah, like, oh yeah, I, I absolutely. Sorry, I yeah, I absolutely loved uh, rugby when I was young. I played from, I think, about seven or eight until I was about eighteen. So they crossed wow. crossed each other. Do you know I mean crossed over? Yeah. And then I was playing flanker as well. Like um, obviously, I'm a bantamweight, so I'm not a big guy. I was playing flanker. So um, they're usually about six foot four or whatever they are, mm -hmm. and um, it was getting to the point where like I was getting beat up in on the Saturday in rugby field and trying to train in the week. And it was getting to the point that I had to kind of pick and choose. And uh, the rugby wasn't going anywhere. I was way too small. And I just obviously just fell in love with jiu-jitsu and, and MMA in the end and picked that. Away you went. Was there, like, um, with the, like, the MMA and the combat sports training, was there, did you have friends, like, 
day-to-day friends who were also doing it, or was it something which you sort of went off and did, you know, did, did on your own? As, yeah, as well? my um, my good my good friend, and he's he's now my one of my jiu-jitsu coaches as well. He started jiu-jitsu a bit before me, and he's a lot older than me as well. And um, he and then he kind of took me down, um, took me down to the Chris Reese Academy, and then yeah, so he he got me into it. Die Evans, shout out, die guns. <laughs> and uh yeah so yeah you got me into it and uh that's that, never really. looked back never looked back yeah yeah um so you knocked rugby on the head then when they started to clash or interfere with each other i suppose was it yeah i knocked yeah knocked on the head and then when i was about 19 then i had like i went back and played the charity game All right. was it um, yeah i tore my acl <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, I, I played sen- 75 minutes. The last five minutes, someone sidestepped me and my leg just went pop. And then that was like, a, that was that was the official, like I'm never, ever playing again. So I mean, that was like a year yeah, and a half definitely. out of combat sports. And, you know, I was, it was a nightmare. Yes. One of the worst you could do in it, like yeah, um, yeah. sort of ACLs and stuff like that. Yeah. Because um, it doesn't matter how hard you try and do the rehab and stuff. It's, yeah, didn't uh, something like this yeah, happen no. to that Wade Van Heekirk or something? I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, if the 400 meter world record holder, he did oh, like yeah. a like a celebrity style rugby match or, or football match. I think it was rugby, and he'd done his knee as well, same sort of thing. And then he's tried to come back in the Olympics, and that couldn't even get to the final. When you think that he's the recent world record holder, you know, doing your knees a pretty serious. Especially yeah. being a, a runner, I think in MMA and martial arts, it's you know obviously a dramatic occurrence, but it's something that you can recover from. Mm. But, um, yeah, doing these charity things, I only have to pick what type of sport you're doing. Yeah. Oh, I know. There's been a few over the years, actually, um, but particularly guys, not so much younger guys, but guys who perhaps are coming towards the end of their playing careers or their athletic careers, and then they've done like mm. a you know like a charity game or whatever, and had like quite a serious injury, and, and it's, they've never quite being able to get that full sort of recovery in. But, mm. ah, look, it's, it's one of them. And ma- I think match fitness is, you know, a, a real thing, isn't it? At the oh, time, I, I felt really fit. I mean, I was doing loads of jiu-jitsu, MMA and everything. And then you're trying to play a game of rugby. And against, to be fair, uh, three-quarters of the team are probably, like, overweight, smoking and drinking, do you know what I mean? Mm. And then I was just gassed. My legs were gone. And that's probably why my knee went then. There wasn't yeah. much fit, you know what I mean? Yeah, not used to it. You're not because like yeah. rugby's so physical as well. Like you're not used to the the hits and stuff either. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, combat sports is just a different yeah, it's a just different, every, different type yeah. of hits and they from yeah. Them, like. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. sort of running in a forward trajectory and then like switching directions as well. You know, that's all heavy on the old yeah, ligaments yeah, and you know, it's not, not so not such a good thing. When then um, so you were like fifteen, sixteen when you um, when you started, was it like from the moment that moment that it was something that you wanted to do as a career, or was it something you know like it was more of a hobby to start with, then it kind of developed? You were like, oh, I'm actually quite good at this. It's good. Reason. Yeah, maybe not from straight away. I thought, but like after after I had my first couple of fights, I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do, hundred um, percent. But then it was just like. You're still working, you know. It's it's hard, and then when you still you still got a life outside of it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was like 
Yeah, definitely. After my first couple of MMA fights, that's when I really knew I, that's what I wanted to do. You know, when you get that first W, and you know, yeah, I guess you get a uh, like same as anything in it. Once you realise that you're decent at it and you're good at it, and then you get that first winning feeling, and you and you get just get the buzz for it, and you? you get the mm. this this something. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's football or rugby or cricket, whatever sport it may be. Once you get that bug. It's very, very difficult to to shake yeah. that off. But, yeah. um, Tun- tunnel vision, man. Yeah. Yes, indeed, mate. Um, so, was there like any points or no? I suppose like what about like your parents and that? Was there something that they were like, oh, we don't really want you to be a fighter. We don't like. Was there in, not encouragement because I think you know, most parents would like to be encouraging, but like. What what was their reaction to you saying, right? I'm gonna go and get my head smashed in every day for a for a job. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they just gr- glad they went out on 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 the booze every weekend. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's it. You know that's what I mean? The benefit of it. It's the thing with rugby as well. And there's a big drinking culture as well. So you play rugby on the Saturday, then you're out all weekend till till Sunday afternoon, probably. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Up to no up to no, up to no good. So I think they were just glad that I I was on the street and arrow training hard, you know, trying to keep fit and healthy. Most of the time, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, though, isn't it? They're like, like you say, there's um, because you're training all the time. You're not, you're not out on the on the lash. Yeah, doing the things that a lot of other people are doing. Do you ever kind of? I've always wondered that. Actually. I wondered like fighters spend so much time training and in camp and and just generally training that they, you know, same as any top athlete. If you want to be the best at anything, at uh, you know, sports wise, you have to be dedicated to it and you have to sacrifice nights out and maybe oh, yeah. going out with the boys and stuff like that is there times when that's hard for you like do you find it difficult or do you find it like not too bothered because you've got a goal yeah more most of the time just like general nights out and stuff i don't miss at all do you know, like i do drink like i'm not sober or anything yeah. but um you know i'll have a good swig after the flight and i'm like ah, that's me done for a few months now but the only thing i was gutted about was the 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 week before the fight I just had was the my my mate Di Evans's wedding, ah, so I, I was walking around with a five liter tub of water, water loading, and everyone was just like laughing at me, basically, like yeah. what is wrong with you? <laughs> everyone's on the booze, having a good time, and then I was just there swigging a five. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There's a wall there, like... Yeah, it's hard work then, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah. It's like a, especially because it's like a special occasion and that. Yeah, it's um, it's one of them, that isn't it? It's, but like you say, like there's a reason for it, though. It's like, you know, you've got a goal, haven't you? And this, at the end of the day, then those are the sort of sacrifices you've got to make if you want to progress it, you know, to the level you want to get to, and and yeah. and go all the way, as it were. Um. Well, um, like influences, you mentioned your mate um, uh, died there. But yeah. like, is there any, uh, like your coaches and people like that, or even people outside of the 
Jim, who've had a big influence on you? Yeah, just obviously my coaches, Di, James Wallace, Chris Reese, Ashley Williams. You know, we've got Ashley Williams, who's just absolutely smashing it on the uh, jiu-jitsu scene at the moment. Um, and when I was coming through as an amateur, you know, I had Brett Johns in the gym with us. Yeah. He was, obviously, he was a smash. And he was like Cage Warriors world champion. Then he was Titan FC world champion. Then he was in the UFC and I was in a bit. So, you know, having some of guy in the gym every day, that was, you know, big, big motivation. And just, um, yeah. There's a, yeah. You know, there's, a, there's a few, you know, a few people who've, who've pushed me along the way. Training with the best every day. Is mm. it, uh, it does nothing but help you, does it? And it improves every, every aspect of your of your game i'd imagine like whether it's even you know technical stuff or your attitude whatever it may be your motivation you're always going to be pushed on when you're coached by or training with the kind of very best i think it's just natural occurrence and i think the more people and danny i know you're a big advocate of um like mixing with gyms and you and bringing guys in from other gyms to to spar with mm-hmm. because just to progress your skills and and get people going in it yeah, we're very, very open. Um, we have people come down most weekends, but we'll mix out. We have some of the Welsh lads come down as well. Um, yeah, so yeah, we're very, very loose in that aspect. And also not one of those insecure coaches, or we're not an insecure team, if you will, where people can't go off and train elsewhere if they choose to. I think it's great for the individual student. If they've got the energy and means and you know the time to go and travel and go and experience other places, other gyms, other training partners, I think that's all the power to them. I think it's only going to ever make them a better student, better fighter. So, um, you know, but that said, you know, uh, I think the, 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 the thinking process of an MI fighter is very, very different as we've come to realize, say, with the boxing community in that, you know, people can have history training with, with each other, such as Luke Shanks and Sam Creasy. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty good buddies in, in retrospect. And, yeah. you know, they, they are, you know, fine out. For, for the world stage on Cage Warriors. You know, um, yeah, I just think it's a good thing. Um, I, I do, I kind of understand, I suppose, I've experienced it in my training career as a student, as a fighter myself, where I've had coaches where they wasn't too pleased when they found out I went to train jiu-jitsu and um, very, very strange affair as it was. But I'm talking like a long time ago when jiu-jitsu was kind of new in the scene back in um, around about 2002, 2003. And uh, and I remember uh, not not turning up for a couple of sessions during the week, and then when I did turn up, um, people were just asking, "Oh, where you been? Where you been? You you've been mm-hmm. all right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I trained a bit of jujitsu," and he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, he's off training in his pajamas again, probably next week." Mm-hmm. And I'd have all those comments, but yeah, uh, I think it's weird, though, isn't but, it? But I guess it was a different um, different mindset and a different different game. It was just a yeah. different sport back then, wasn't it? Like. Yeah, know, absolutely. I'm not, not having a dig about your age, Dan, but it was wonderful. <laughs> no, but like it was very, MMA, is particularly in, in the UK, was so different I, during the time when you were fighting, Dan, wasn't it? Like we talked about it a mm. lot on the show before. Like it was just a very yeah. different mindset in how the mainstream people viewed it, how people mm. from the, who weren't involved in the sport or, or didn't watch, sure. how they viewed it. So, like, I would imagine that the attitudes in the gyms were very different as well in terms of, like you say, like mixing or going to train with other people. Yeah. Like they got a bit, uh, for lack of a better term, insecure or that you might yeah. or something like that. 
that's right. Yeah, there was a bit of that going on. Yeah, it was a very, very different time. I think you know people like Rory probably don't realise what fighters were going through just 15 years ago. But you know, none of us would be stepping in a cage until fight night because there was no cages in any gyms to train in. So trying to learn your cage craft, so to speak, was done up against a padded wall, um, which you know does do a good job of sorts in emulating that. But um, yeah, it's it, it was. You know, trying to improvise a lot of things mm. really, and um, yeah, it was just, just different times. I mean, we got by, but my goodness, all on a all on a plate for you, young youngsters. Yeah. It really is. It's yeah. a very 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 different time, but you know, it's not a bad thing. In fact, I think it makes it a lot harder to achieve now because people have got access to so many different variants yeah. variants of good coaching. I mean, they do come with different perspectives and, and stuff, different coaches and different teams, which still keeps it really, really interesting when you're going up against other other clubs and what have you. But, uh, yeah, there's so, so so much available to everyone now. And, you know, the question I was going to ask you, Rory, um, was that, um, you know, we're getting so much success now, um, especially with you guys in Wales as, uh, mm. as well. And we're getting so much success by training and not even having to go to train in America or um, anywhere else for that fact you know I think back along in, in only recent years really I think it was always considered that if you was going to go to UFC you kind of want to try and get out to America and try and live there and try and train yeah. do you feel that you've got what it takes with all the resources you have on your doorstep regards coaching and training partners to take it to their highest order oh yeah without the doubt like mm. the, the, the level of training you can get in wheels now is just just incredible and yeah. like you were saying earlier about you know the 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 ability to to go to other gyms and train without without any politics so to speak mm. um like i've been going up to show mma for sparring they they come down sometimes we have like um mm. in my in the other gym of training kgb in port talbot uh on a friday like we have boys from um the um the matt academy and the show mma a few of the boys will be all meeting the same gym so it's just we're all training together so like we're all we're all pushing each other rather than kind of like mm. competing as like, Oh, you know, we wouldn't be the best gym in South Wales. Whereas we're all coming training together and just trying to push the Welsh fighters as a, as a nation mm. rather than, than, than kind of competing against each other. Mm. Like, like I think the, I think am, amateurs, like we should all fight, each, you know, they should just fight each other. And it is, it is an yeah. amateur, but our pro, I, I don't really see why Welsh fighters need to fight each other when there's so many mm-hmm. fighting. Many other fighters out in the UK, and when we're all training together as well. Yeah, yeah. I read a, I read a really good book. Funny enough, while we we're on the subject of like the you know gyms that are open and gyms that might be mm. more closed off, um, yeah, the Lions Den book, and it's done by Ken Shamrock, and oh, it yeah. was all, yeah, it was all, all about how that they had all the top fighters at the time all in house. They would uh, train insane cardio routines, strength routines. Um, obviously, had a, a striking format coaches there, wrestling and so on and so forth. But what they did was they, they was top of the tree for a good number of years, say five years or so. But because they say stayed so closed off from everyone else, everyone else started to evolve. Uh, were mixing and mingling, but they stayed closed off from everything and just kept yeah, doing the yeah. same thing that was working at that time. But as the five years stretched in towards a decade, but suddenly their style become dated and suddenly they weren't achieving anymore. I just think any club that stays closed off will always hit its wall, so to speak. You know, they're, they're going to reach so-so level. You've definitely got to be open-minded. And, um, yeah, you can't be 
politically stiff. I, I just don't think yeah. it suits. Hundred percent. Yeah, and I think it's the same with any sport, isn't it? Like you've got to um, you've got to evolve, and as the sport changes, and I'm going to talk about this a lot on the show I do tomorrow with regards to football. Like there's just as an analogy, there's football managers now, uh, like Mick McCarthy at Cardiff, like Jose Mourinho, who play a certain way that ten years ago worked, but where the sport has evolved, they haven't. They're still trying to play the same way, and it doesn't work anymore because yeah. the games change, the games quicker. All football teams can play football generally, and they get a ball down on the deck and they play quick football, which means that if you're trying to play a certain way, which is kind of slow and compact, they quite easily play around you. And I think that's the same in boxing. I think that's the same in MMA. I think it's the same in, in other sports. As the sports change, you have to adapt and evolve. Like, Dan, how many times have we talked about the UFC, whereas, you know, in those early UFCs, it was all, this guy's a striker, this is Gracie, he's grappling, and and the ones who were exceptional at their individual field but could do a little bit of something else were generally, yeah. as, as the UFCs went on, they were the ones who would win championships because they were exceptional strikers or grapplers or wrestlers, but they could also defend a bit of striking and a bit of grappling and you know it was those guys who started to adapt but you go like 10 years ago there was guys like i don't know i'm gonna pick a name out there but like dos santos or someone um junior dos santos or someone like that who was quite you know really really world class at certain things but maybe not that great at other stuff they were the champions but now mm. you go into the even the this like the la- at the last time of rankings, you've got people like Jack Shaw outside of the rankings who can do everything. And the, yeah. every every fighter in the UFC generally can do everything to a high level or to a decent level. And I think because that's how those gyms and those places have evolved, and I think the gyms which haven't evolved are the ones who will generally fall behind in the long term. Jack, that's fair to say, Danny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something else to, to note, really, um, the, the beauty of the MMA, if you're willing to accept it, is that you are getting people, say, that haven't got a wrestling pedigree, such as Jack Shaw is a good example. He doesn't have a, red, a wrestling pedigree such as some of these American wrestlers do, some of the Russians. Yet he's out wrestling them, but he's yeah. out wrestling them on the MMA format. Now, I'm sure if he was going to wrestle them on a wrestling mat and score it as a strict wrestler, he wouldn't be getting near these guys. But MMA has got is creating its own identity of wrestling capability, and, and same with the striking as well. No longer can you just go to a, a Thai boxing club or just a boxing club. Yes, they're all good additions, but you also need to be doing your class format for MMA with MMA striking yeah. in mind. Now, th- there's a different range in MMA. You know, you're slightly further apart. You can't just expect to fight in the pocket. Um, like boxers would, as an example, because you've got leg kicks to worry about. You can't stand mm. that close because you might have a wrestler to worry about. So the range is different. Yeah. So indeed, a lot of the forward-going combinations now are done with steps forward rather than shuffling forwards in your strict, strict form. You've got to learn to fight both sides. You can't just yeah. be a Southpaw or Orthodox. You've got to blend your combinations as you go forward to cover that extra range and distance, particularly in your sort of weight, Rory. I mean, if you have a look in UFC at your weight division and below – my goodness, this whole different it's, MMA. 
a it's different crazy, MMA yeah. from the heavyweights. Yeah, the level. If, if you want to see fight IQ expressed to its highest possible level, you have to look at those lighterweight divisions. And that's not to take anything away from middleweights and above. Um, it's just a different form of MMA. You get all the drama of all the m massive knockouts at the heavyweights. But those lightweights, uh, uh, sort of really featherweight and lower, you're getting combinations that are so complex and so reaction uh, orientated is yeah. it, it it's amazing to me i love watching these um you know uh bantam weights and lower guys it's incredible yeah. and i think there's lots to be taken regards those combinations to to try and take it up a weight and try and get creative in fact you know when we get talking about ufc i did ask you or whoever you had seen it just to put it to you before we come on yeah. um is some of the heavyweights are trying to emulate a little bit of what the lighter weights are doing in terms of their flurries and strikings into takedowns. It's exciting times. There's still revolution going on. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, so I wanted to get uh, both of you guys' opinion, actually, on a couple of things. So um, first and foremost, um, we had Dana White. Uh, Dana White's contender series this week was an absolutely fascinating um, watch. It's not a series that I watch um, religiously. I watch it now and again. Um, if you know there's someone on there who I who I know, um, Jake Haley was on there this week after his initial appearance had been cancelled due to a visa. Uh, he got his opportunity this week. Um, from a fight point of view, he was very very impressive. Looked great. Um, yeah. Won his fight, etc. Um, but like just as a, a TV spectacle, like if, and it's like it is it's reality TV basically, isn't it? But with fighting, it's weird because it's not something I should like. Because I don't like reality TV, but yeah. the fighting aspect and, and everything which goes with it. But like it was so um like I was on the edge of my seat. So you have the fight. Straight after the fight, Jake Hady goes to Dana White in the cage. He apologizes because he had missed weight by a pound, I think. Mm. Um, he apologized profusely, had his arm raised then, and then they go off. He does his post-fight mm. interview. You could see he was so emotional because as a rule, Dana White. If you miss weight in the contender series, you don't get a contract. Yeah, and end the story as well. It doesn't matter if you are the Yeah, no, it doesn't matter if you've you know KO'd someone in seconds. That's the rule. And there was another guy who also missed weight later on in the card, who was also quite impressive, by the way. And so then at the end of the show, they all set the fighters, the victorious fighters, sit on stools in a line, and Dana White will go through each one comment on their performance and say whether they get contract. And I think JKD was like third or fourth. And you could see by the time they got to the second person, guys in tears because he thinks it's gone, it's blown, he's blown it. And he knows, even though I've just shown how good I am in as a fighter, I've blown it by missing weight by a pound. Dana White comes on the microphone and he like the way he did it, it was so tense and dramatic. It was like, he said it as if he wasn't getting a contract. He made, you know, he said, great performance. This guy's going to be a superstar, but he missed weight. As a rule, I don't, you know, I do not give people a contract if they miss weight. And there were some behind the scenes issues during the week. <clears throat> and then he massive pause and he goes, but Jake Hadley is so special that I'm going to give him a contract. Jake Hadley yeah. literally fell to his knees, like in tears went and you know shook his hand and got his contract he got his contract then two guys later the other guy who missed weight 
who was is a, one of Paul Felder's fighters who was commentating. Uh, he didn't get a contract because he missed weight, which I think tells you how special and they or how highly they rate Jake Hadley because this the other guy was pretty impressive. And if you just put their fights side by side and you didn't know anything about them, uh, there's an argument to be made that maybe the other guy was looked at even a little bit more impressive. But I think when you realize Jake Hadley is, you know, he's unbeaten, he's a multiple time, multiple company champion, yeah. all that sort of stuff. But anyway. Um, it was fascinating to watch. And then just after that, they kind of, before they did the interview with Dana afterwards and with Jake Hadley afterwards to get his reaction, they the cameras sort of panned around and it was, Jake Hadley was talking to Dana White, um, not like in on camera, it was like to the side. And he was saying to him, I don't know what you mean in regards to the issues in the week. And you could see Dana White was a bit like, oh, you know, it was, it was, he was a bit he seemed like a bit tense because he even said in his own interview afterwards he was like um don't make an asshole of me because i've just broken my own rules and sean shelby yeah. and um the other matchmaker left they said yeah they have, their, they have a discussion the three of them to who should get the contract to the contender and because dana white broke his own rule and he went against his two partners to give jake hadley a contract they sort of stormed out supposedly um so like you know, Dan White was like, "Don't make, you know, don't make an asshole of me now by, um, you know, by messing up or whatever." Which I don't think will be the case. Um, Jake Hadley is a special, special fighter. That's why. Yeah. That's why he's broken his own rules. Um, the things I saw, like on social media, from a couple of journalists, was that basically he had been a bit rude to um, some of the staff. Uh, might have been a driver, I think, but I don't know if that's true. Um, all the time, every time I've spoken to Jake, he's been so silent he was really cool with us dan as well when he came on wasn't he like he was um, yeah absolutely yeah yeah i mean i i mean i don't want to talk about his he, personal he, any he, personal he, issues he put it down i saw um something afterwards he said that it was perhaps uh like a british humor thing and they didn't quite get it yeah i don't know yeah. you know I, I just don't know but um i, yeah, I think it's unusual for me because i've not experienced that yeah, I think Jake as well. I, I think he's got a couple of social um, issues as well. But again, like I said, I don't want to really harp on anything that he's got personal mm. going along. Whether that's something you know he might choose to elaborate on, but I, you know, I have heard things. So I can't say it's a factual thing that, that I think he could be. You know, find it hard to understand certain social situations. So whether there was a little oh, okay. misunderstanding of, of you know him misunderstanding a situation or something flaring up or vice versa where he misunderstood the situation um could have been down to something like that um who knows it's a guessing game yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. had a tough, tough weight cut as well yeah know, exactly yeah you could yeah. have been a bit a lot of stress dropped, like, you know? yeah, yeah a lot of stress and i think at the end of the day like for us uh, well for me anyway i can i can only speak on what i've experienced with him and what i um every time I've spoken to him, whether it was on the show, before the show, setting up the show, uh, text or whatever. He has always been nothing but professional. He's always been yeah. sound. He was a pleasure to deal with before. He's, he, I texted him the other day to say congratulations. He texted me back. He was like, he's, he seems like a cool dude. So I, that's all I can go on. Um, as a fighter, guy's got skills. And if he can keep everything focused on that, 
I'd fully expect him to be right up there with those flyweights in the yeah, UFC. It's... Because Danny, he said to us when he came on the show, I was watching the show back the other day, or I watched his little a little clip of it. He says there's not a flyweight in that division which he doesn't think he would beat. And mm. I look at it, and like apart from the top three, there's like top those top three flyweights in the UFC are like whoo, they are the real deal, special world class talents. The rest of them, I was like, yeah, I could probably see him giving him a go. Like I could, 100%. I could see that. It's difficult. Yeah, he's, to he's sharp, and he he is very oh, sharp. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's striking. He's striking very, very good. He was yeah. very, very hunt, hunter orientated, yeah. and had a, a little bit different type of defense as well. He's using a high lead elbow. Yeah, yeah, that and was, um, that was, I like yeah, that. it's a little unusual. I think in boxing terms, when they do the double elbow block, I think it's called the Philly shell. But yeah. he was like doing a half version of that, if yeah, you will. Yeah. Um, the only thing that could get him caught out on is you know with a couple of guys that can string together the striker combinations into shoots is you know it could see his him giving away his hips and legs away to, to yeah. a real sharp shooter uh, with regards mm. to takedowns because um, it does bl- blind him a little bit for any potential level change. You know, if you're defending that way and someone's going to just do stepping forward yeah. flurry of punches that are not meaningful punches just to get you backing up and get your cover like that, they might be able to dip underneath him. In fact, it yeah. did happen in his fight. It's just I don't think the uh, guy, what was his name? Um, Raposo, I don't think he was too accomplished on the grappling skills and got himself in a bit of difficulty, mm-hmm. even though he was on top of Hadley. You're sharp, you're sharp uh, his back, didn't he? Yeah, 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 absolutely he did. Back, you thought he was going to finish it there and then. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. the Paul Felder was saying, like, I can't believe he's only a purple belt with skills like that. Because you could see straight away, as soon as he was on his back, like Roy just said, he was looking for a way to finish that fight. Not Sure, to- yeah, he was. Um, I do... I do put that down partly because Raposo just looked very unaccomplished on the ground. Yeah. Um, right. So, you know, a, a purple belt, you know, if you really look at what a purple belt really is, they're, they're everything of a black belt. It's just not quite so seasoned and don't quite make, make as good of decisions as a black belt. But, mm. you know, someone of a purple belt level is really, really good and they can go real far. In fact, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not been unheard of to see people with purple belt winning UFC world titles. Um you know, um, I don't read too heavily into what belt status you are. Mm. Um, yeah, because it's going back to what I was saying. You know, you're getting British guys at wrestling, top wrestlers. Um, yeah, MMA is a, a different sport of its own own right yeah. in terms yeah. of its identity in grappling, wrestling and striking. The other thing, Dan, as well, is um, like the way I try and explain, I tried to explain it to someone. I had a bit of an argument the other day, not like me. I had a bit of a spat with someone on Twitter the other day about, um, with some wow, American, si. American guys, <laughs> not like me at all. With some American and, and you know guys. what this is? Hassai's yeah, so got some MMA backing in terms yeah, of like, so, friends now, yeah. and he thinks he can argue with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, I was arguing on basically saying like Jake Hadley and Paddy, uh, Paddy Pimlet are going to go very far. And these guys were like, oh, no, they're not. They're risk. Brits can't wrestle this and that. They can't grapple. I was like, oh. <laughs> but anyway, um, what I was going to say about the way I tried to explain Jake Hadley to someone the other day is when Luke Shanks won the flyweight tight cage Warriors flyweight title, he decimated uh, that guy for five rounds in one of the most dominant MMA performances I've ever seen in any. And I mean, any, um, company for five rounds of just just wrestling masterclass mma masterclass like he destroyed him 
It was so one-sided. It was unreal. And you thought from just from that fight and the way Luke had fought the first the couple of fights before that, you could have seen him going on a bit of a, a bit of a tear as like as the flyweight champion. Jake Haley was his next fight, and yes, there was obviously we've talked about before. Like uh, Luke took some comments a bit personally, and he got a bit emotional and made some errors in that fight. But but Jake Haley's. Um, not only struck very well and he did his grappling very well, but his wrestling defense was very, very good against Luke Shanks, who's what I would class as a, a pretty good wrestler, you know? Um, and that's what the that's what I point to with Jake Hagley is, yes, he's good at grappling. Yes, he's got knockout power, but he can also defend um, anti-wrestling, Dan, that's what you call it, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't say Luke was a good wrestler. I think you just, um, it made it seem so just because he had that guy's particular number. It, you know, one of the things that got Luke into trouble and got him submitted was the fact that he shoots with his arms out like a zombie. You know, he, he doesn't enter very tight, so it does leave your head out. Uh, to be character and against someone like Sam Creasy, that obviously, as you know, I, I've had a lot of dealings with and trained with him on and off for many, many years. You know, I know it's all about if you leave a limb out or your head out, it's got to be a target for submission because he's a martial artist in every sense of the word. But yeah, Luke's, I know Luke very well and he's a, mm. he's much more of a fighter in terms of, of mentality than Sam. Sam's a pure martial artist, an absolute gentleman of a guy, full of um, respectable etiquette on the mat. You know, he'll bow to say goodbye or do you mind if I go to the toilet? He's one of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and Luke Shanks, when you rub him up the wrong way or you, you dig at him a certain way, he'll have this fight response, but in a way where he becomes like a caveman. And mm-hmm. he thinks that just because you've got, you know, issues with him on a personal level, that someone's going to just stand and bang like you're out on the street. It don't work like that in MMA. And and Jack Hadley treated it like, like an MMA fight, which is mixed martial arts. He, he treated it as a martial art event and totally outdone him strategically, tactically, uh, because Luke Shanks just ran in there trying to take his head off. Like it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was a fracar on the street. It was, um, <laughs> it was not surprising, but so disappointing because I know Luke's full of so much potential, but sometimes he lets himself down. Um, so, yeah, um, I saw a few journalists in the after the contender episode. A few journalists up in the US were like, "Or oh, Dana White's going to give Jake Hadley like a real." hard fight the next time out as almost like a punishment. But then I saw some other people saying, no, if he signed him despite the weight thing and, and if there was any other issues, then he's going to make sure that he matches him up appropriately to make sure he got, you know, the same as he'll probably do with Paddy. He'll make sure that he can get a bit of a run together. Cause if he, if he signed him despite those things, he believes he's going to be a big star. who's going to make him a lot of money in the future. Um, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, Rory, as a as a fellow fellow fighter, obviously, um, Rory, uh, Jake was in, you know, he's Cage Warriors champion, EFC champion, flyweight. 
Um, how far do you see do you see him being capable of going? And and in your opinion, like how far in the UFC do you think he can go? Yeah, I think he could do really well. Like, like he's very impressive. His last fight, like I've I haven't watched m- many of his fights, but there does seem to be a bit of a buzz around him, doesn't it? Because like you, I I never watched the contenders, and then a year he was on, I was like, oh, I'll I'll tune in for that. So I actually watched yeah. it. Um, yeah, so there's a bit of a buzz around him. He, you know, he he sucks you into the you know the view. But um, yeah, skills, skills wise, he's yeah, he's incredible. I think I think he can go really far. Like you said, you know, the top top three in that division is going to be a very tough. But I, I do think he can he can definitely get up there in the mix with them. Like absolutely, and I, it's almost like a race now, isn't it, with the the UK guys? Because there's there's like four or five really hot prospects, highly rated prospects, who have they're almost like in this race to get up into the rankings. Like you've got Jack Shaw. At bantamweight, mm. you've got Paddy Pimbler at lightweight, you've mm. got Jake Hadley at flyweight, and then of course you know you've got some of the guys who've already been there, like Corey McKenna, and you've got Arnold Allen and and mm. uh, Leon Edwards and and Modestus is are still there at the moment. It's fascinating to see because I there's you know some of those names, pretty much all those names that I've just mentioned, they are so highly rated by people who we speak to, Dan you know, from the British scene, coaches, fighters, media people, they all, like you talk about any of those people that I just mentioned, and they kind of light up as they're talking about their, their skills and their abilities. So mm. it's really exciting for, for for British MMA fans in terms of the UFC. Um, Roy, just to finish us off, mate, I'm going yeah. um, to ask you one question, which I want you to answer as honestly as you can. And then um, play, we play something called the one-word game. Basically, I just give you a list of names from combat sports, and you just say first thing which pops to you, pops into your head <laughs> when when you when you hear that name. But uh, my question is, um, who has got the most? Who do you think has got the most, uh, or is most likely to become a UFC champion out of these three names? Uh, Paddy Pimblett, Jake Hadley, and Jack Shaw. Um, I might be biased because I'm Welsh, but I think it's Jack Shaw by a country mile. I think, but you know, his four performances already have been <laughs> ridiculous. And like you, like you were saying earlier, like I think not his last fight, the, the fight before last, he was fighting an NCAA uh, Division One wrestler, and he just out wrestled him. Yeah. And then he fought, the, I think, a Russian wrestler. Yeah. The next fight was there, and he out wrestled him as well. So I, I just think it's got to be Jack Shaw, hundred yeah, percent. I think um, that I the fight before last was when. I think people finally realised that there's some British guys who can wrestle. Because yeah. I remember him, um, I think it was Daniel Cormier, saying kind of gone are the days where the British guys would come over and as soon as they faced a wrestler, they'd be, they'd come yeah, unstuck. Yeah. It just doesn't happen now. And like, yeah. But then, like, even, like, you look at, like, Paddy Pimblett, like, he's grappling, Dan, like, you'll know better than me, but as far as I'm, as far as I've seen and I'm aware, it's, it's about as high level as it could be at this stage in his career, isn't it? If you give him space, he'll go for the sub every single time. He's really good at picking up on the legs. You know, he's uh, very, very sharp on the ground. Um, I can imagine it'd be like trying to grapple with a hedgehog. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any position to feel comfortable on him. Um, but, you know, that said, there's some very, very good shutdown guys. And what I mean by that is the wrestling guys that are very jiu-jitsu aware. They train jiu-jitsu as well. And they're very, very good at shutting off the hips. Um, mm. So, if, you know, if you get put underneath against these good wrestlers that have got jiu-jitsu, you know, in, in their knowledge and their capabilities, they could be very, very good at shutting someone like him down. But, you know, that said, 
um, you know, you've got to get in there and have energy to shut him down. And um, I think someone like Paddy is going to be hard work to to keep down and keep controlling off for anybody um, as he seasons. I don't think he's ready for that yet, but no. as he seasons. I think my biggest concern with Paddy is he's striking. Um, you know, I, I didn't like the way his uh, head was up. I didn't like the way his head got snips, uh, snapped back. Um, but, you know, being he's with what I would suggest is you know, a really good camp. They should put those wrongs right fairly, fairly quickly. It might have been a little bit of nerves, although he probably would never admit to it. I, don't, I can't imagine he's got the personality to admit that he would get nervous. But, look, he's got a lot of expectations on his shoulders on that first performance. And I think there was a little bit of nerves in there that made him perhaps get tagged a little bit more than perhaps we're used to seeing. Yeah, 100%, mate. He, um, mm. I, funny enough, I came across um, on Facebook earlier was his, uh, the finish to the Decky, uh, Decky Dalton fight. And Decky Dalton slips as he goes in for a kick. And before he can get up, like it wasn't like a massive, he just sort of slips and he's on his knees, I think. And before he can get up, Paddy is round the back of him and got him in like a body triangle and a, his, his arms around his neck and his arm, like he's the speed of it. And I just think if you give him a chance, if you make a mistake against him, I think he's the sort of fighter who will punish you before yeah. you even realise you've made the mistake. But like you said, he, his chin was up in that in that debut fight in the UFC. But he also showed he can take a shot as well, which is, you know, I think that's not a bad thing. It's um, I did I saw a few people saying that it's probably he was very you could see he was nervous anyway even if he wouldn't say himself like you could see he was you know he was amped up which is normal i suppose now that he's you know he's got his multi-fight deal and he's got his first one win under his belt you'd expect to see improvements with each fight i would have thought yeah of course and as he gets comfortable for this sort of like the highest level stage um you know he's Pressure performance will increase naturally. So, yeah, I'm sure he's on the road to becoming an ever more dangerous, ever more complete Paddy Pimlet. And, and I look forward to watching the process. I think he's good for the sport. I think he brings uh, a lot of good good character to the sport, as did Conor McGregor. I think he's very, very similar to him in the attention that he brings. He's certainly not similar to him in his actual appro uh, approach. You know, He's very, very cocky, very, very confident. But he has his own personality you know, um, I think he's spice to him, you know. Yeah, I think he's 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 confident, but he's a bit more humble, if that makes sense, than McGregor yeah. perhaps was. But I also think that they both, them two, and Jake Hadley, do something that Conor McGregor does, and that is bring people to watch. Like the three of us just said, Absolutely. we don't watch the Contender series, but we all watched it this week yeah. because Jake yeah, Hadley was on it. And I dare mm -hmm. say, if Paddy Pimblett had been on it, I probably would have. Well, I would have watched it. The same, and I go as far as to say the same as Jack Shaw. Jack's getting a bit of a following in America as well, which mm -hmm. I is fantastic to see. Yeah, um, there yeah. was some, there were some other good fighters. You see that Martin Boudet one, that heavyweight guy, yeah, really, he really good. good he? He, that, that that hood guy looked good in his own right, but he got dismantled by that Boudet. Um, Be, very, very good. Do you think um, Dana White underplays it sometimes by when he says, um, "Oh, well, we need heavyweights," so you've got, to, and it's like. So you've got a contract. And I don't think he meant it like it sounded, but it sounded like, oh, I need heavyweights. So, you know, I'm just oh. going to bring you in sort of thing. But I think he was saying, uh, you know, you you impressed me and I mm -hmm. need heavyweights. 
but it was just the way he is sometimes, I guess. Yeah, look, um, he's a clever, he's a clever business. So he'd be yeah, basically saying all heavyweights, you know, push forward. There's space for you because in some of the other divisions, it must be pretty hard to 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 oh, get God, in yeah. right now. Some of them are yeah. so well stacked up. But um, yeah, and and there was uh, the female fight as well. Did you um, you know watch that? Uh, let me just recap her name because you know what we're like with the names. But you know it was worth a mention that uh, Maria Silva. That's oh my gosh, she physically looks incredible. No, I didn't you see know, that one. Oh, she looks powerful and strong. And the girl she was up against, Paproki, was really, really good in her own right, to be honest, but just could not match the physicality as well as the technical mm. capabilities of the girl. But she could strike some, wrestle some, grapple some, uh, and just physically just looks difficult to deal with. Really, really does. And um, there's a few standouts on there. So I, I don't want to. I know if you've got to try and keep this to a timeline, but another one that's got to be mentioned is that. But Borshev, Borshev, I found my yeah, second name. My was God, that, was that a left hook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it comes against yeah, Duncan. Yeah. That Chris Duncan's. That he's a pretty he's a good fighter. Isn't he? Good Chris fighter Duncan. in his own right. But Borshev <laughs> didn't look too much physically, but that don't mean a thing. That's that's not mean a thing. He had awesome timing. Very, very accurate and precise and uh, creative oh, yeah. as well. He he come with some flamboyancy to his style as well, but all set up. He wasn't done flamboyant to thin air. Everything was done to hit. And I'm really going to be excited yeah. to watch his career pan out. Mm. Well, funny enough, Dan, um, I think I probably will watch the contender next week. And like Rob Boyle said earlier, like it all sounds like his X factor with fighting. And, and it's, it is, I suppose, in some ways like that. But I think... Um, it's. I look for. I will probably watch next week just to have a yeah. little a little look because I do like to watch like the up and coming yeah. fighters anyway. But I'm sure. like, I, w- I watched it and I was like, why I love fighting? Why don't I watch yeah, it? Why don't I watch this? Anyway, it's like it's like there with all all the bullshit. Then it's like it's yeah. just the fights. <laughs> it's like this is the bit you want to see, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a question I was going to ask you, Rory, because I know you know we're getting pushed on time now, but you know, yeah. a question that I wanted to put to you is, you know, we different fighters that have come on. Some don't take any interest on particularly watching their weight division or uh, therefore any weight division for that fact. And mm. um, they don't really follow UFCs or Bellator. And I find that absolutely amazing, you know, because yeah, no. for me, I've always had as a fighter, as a coach, I do want to see who's what and what's being done. And I'm not just watching it because of the, being a fan of certain fighters. I'm watching it because I want to see what's being done. So I know what to prepare for and how can we approach this mm. it, it, the MMA in a way that ain't being done. Um, so I'm looking at it for many other reasons uh, than that. But are you someone that follows quite strict with, Oh yeah, without you know, I watch, I watch yeah, every, I watch it um, every week without fail. Like I said, this week I, I've been up in a, a grappling yeah, competition yeah. today, coaching. So I haven't caught up with it yet. But um, mm. yeah, but there's like like you were saying earlier as well, it's like the the evolution of the game as well. And if you if you're not watching what the top pros are doing, then you're missing out on on the evolution as well, aren't you? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hundred percent. Right. Um, Rory, one word game with Rory oh, Evans. Oh, there was, a question. Not one, there was a question. Not one word, though. Not really one word. Yeah, it's just yeah. basically say the first thing which comes to mind when you hear oh. these names. Um, oh. There was a question earlier which I was going to go back to. I nearly forgot. Uh, I think it was. I think it was Rob Boyle asked. Uh, he said, "I expect it's just coincidence because of the surname, but are you related to the boxer Craig Evans in any way?" No. There we go. Evans in Wales is like. Uh, I know. It's like Evans and Jones, isn't it? Come on, Rob. Rob. (laughs) Um, Rob's got a better question, which I'll put to Danny now in a minute. Um, 
the one word game, right? Uh, the first name on the list is Conor McGregor. Uh, pipe down. <laughs> pipe down, indeed. He's, he's getting uh, a bit beyond now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I saw uh, Paddy on the James English's show, and um, James English put it to him and said, would you fight Conor McGregor in Croke Park in Ireland? And it could potentially, in a couple of years... Be McGregor's retirement fight, and I was like, "Wow!" If they their careers kind of went on the right tra- trajectory, that could be quite an incredible occasion. Who would you I say again? Sorry, uh, Paddy the Pimblet and oh. Conor McGregor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be class. <laughs> in uh, in Croke Park Island Stadium, Oof. be uh, interesting. And uh, the next name on the list, Dana White. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, next one, Eddie Hearn. Mm, not much to say about him. He's a funny guy, though. <laughs> he, he funny. I, li- I, li- I, li- I like his um, compilations. <laughs> no no context, Eddie Hearn. Yeah. No. Uh, Jake and Logan Paul. Uh, I'll, bo- I'll definitely box them for, for a couple of quid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Canelo Alvarez. I'll leave that one. <laughs> Tyson Fury. Oh, the Gypsy King. Congratulations, that's all. And um, Jack Shaw. <laughs> Cumbria and Beth. <laughs> there we go. And um, the next one is a nice, nice, easy one. Uh, Michael Bispin. Yeah. <laughs> The count, uh, yeah, he's uh, uh I don't say that one. Um, struggling on that one. Yeah. I don't want to say anything too nasty to him because I do actually Pretty, like him. <laughs> puts you on the spot, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> thing, isn't it? right. Struggs. And uh, and then the last one is um, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. <laughs> um, just big up to meet Demetrius the the goat. The first goat, anyway. Mm. <laughs> I agree with that. Goat, yeah. Indeed. Um, Rory Evans, it's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Really uh, enjoyed having you on, buddy. And uh, you're obviously you're welcome back anytime. Um, Thank you. In terms of uh, future fights, mate, anything uh, anything planned down at the moment or just recovering from uh, your brutal fight the other day? Yeah, recovering. Like Obviously, as you saw, I hurt my knee. So... I- uh, yeah, nothing this side of Christmas anyway. It'll be in the new year now. Just mm. uh, rehab that knee a bit and uh, hopefully be good to go in the new year then. I, I, do you know what? I wanted to, very quickly, mate, I wanted to touch on that. Um, obviously, you injured your knee. I think it was, was it the first round or first, second round? First, first round, round, yeah. Like, you injured your knee. Um, and I think, uh, to be fair, a lot of fighters might have, at some point, stopped. Because yeah. Because you were like the one-legged man, you know? And... Um, not only did you complete the fight, but you also went, went and won the fight. And I think not only does that show a tremendous amount of skill to be able to win a fight on one leg, but also balls of steel, mate, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just, at the time, it was just like, just get through it, get through it. And in was the it, end, was like, it hurting at the time? Like, or was it like an yeah, adrenaline it, thing? It was weird. I, I think it was my ACL again, because it was like, it was giving way. So it hurt. When it was giving way, but then it was okay again. So like that's mm. that's why I kept saying, "Oh, I don't know how are you kicking with it." I was like, it wasn't actually hurting until 
I I stepped awkward on it and then give way again, but then it'd be okay again. So it was a weird one, really. Mm. Yeah. Nasty, mate. It's uh, knee injuries are nasty. Mm. But um, yeah, look after yourself. Lots of nice comments made for you anyway. And Rob Boyle says top top bloke for a Swansea Swansea person. All the Cardiff fans are a bit sour. To see yeah. But, uh, it looks <laughs> like you've actually cheered them up. But anyway, mate, they, uh, they seem to have enjoyed you. Um, no, it's been a pleasure, mate. And uh, uh, of course, when when you get your next fight lined up, you can come on and uh, give us come and have a chat about it before it uh, before it happens. Give it a promotion and whatnot. But um, until then, mate, you look after yourself, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, boys. All the best. Cheers, Roy. Good right. meeting you. Cheers, mate. Roy Evans, mate, another top guest. Yeah, I put these guests, mate. I, if I do say so myself. You're good some, at what you do, so I give you that much. Pulling off some but crackers, you, mate. Just, just no matter what, him, just lining them like, up. No matter what you was late today. Nah, mate. Don't know about. You're late every <laughs> bloody week. No, haven't it? Right. So, yeah. UFC from last night, mate. Got to do what we did last week, I think, because it's. Uh, I think like it's twenty past nine now, and I don't want to like I don't want to bore the people. Um, and there's a question. <laughs> Which I'm gonna so Rob Boy last question. I'm gonna ask you the question, but we're not gonna answer it till the end. Um right. because I wanna give you a bit of time to digest it and have a think about it. Um Rob Boyle says on the note of women's fighter, how good was Ronda Rousey in the UFC? And before you answer that at the end of the show, I'd also like to add into that um how did she affect women's over MMA overall? Like, did she change the game? Did she not? Did she just another fighter, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. But we'll answer that. We'll go into that at the end of the show to finish off, um, yep. because it also means I can clip it nicely into a little five ten minute clip. But you know, that's beside the point. Um, uh-huh. So last night, mate, there was a UFC Vegas show. But I know you watched uh, Bellator two six eight with uh, Ryan uh, Bader versus Corey Anderson. Yeah, I watched that one. It? Yeah. Yeah, that was the one that really was kind of like uh, I was kind of curious to see how Corey Anderson was was going to do. Um, he looks a lot lighter and quicker on his feet than I was expecting. I know it was a very very fleeting fight; it didn't go on very long. Uh, Ryan Bader, I think the mistake he really made was um, he didn't engage hard at all. He, he sort of had done a touching out left hook, a real lazy left hook mm. uh, that didn't even look like it was being put out there to land. It was almost like a a little range finder, if you will. Rory just went, uh, Corey just went straight at it with an overhand, taking his head off the centre line. So the hook was nowhere going to land. Cuffed him behind the left ear. Ryan Bader's gone down and Anderson's just gone on a, on a mad flurry. Obviously, it's right at the beginning of the first round. He's utterly and totally fresh. And I think you've got more chance of putting it away in those heavier weights than you have, say, as a tactic for someone sort of like featherweight or lower. I, I just I just think the recovery of those real lightweight guys and girls, they're just too quick to recover and scramble back up. And I don't think it's good to bust a nut in that situation. But with those heavyweight guys, he absolutely did do the right thing. And that's the experience creeping in there. But I did feel like Ryan Bader was perhaps... Uh, I, don't want to, I don't really want to say motivated enough. I just think, you know, he's so experienced now. I think sometimes they take a little while to get going. Um, yeah. And they're used to that slower start. Well, you know, Corey Anderson. You know, he he was hungry for it, and and 
you know, he wants to get into contention, and indeed he is now. Um, I think he could take it all the way with the kind of performances we see him from him. He's, um, yeah, it's uh, Ryan Bader, like for a while there, he was dominating mm. um, in Bellator, and um, yeah, two belts, didn't he? Um, yeah, he did, yeah, he's doing ever so well. He was doing very, very well, but um, Corey Anderson has kind of put him in his place. That was the one semi final, um, and obviously the second semi final was between uh, Vadim Nemkov and Julius Anglicus, um, with Nemkov picking up a victory via a Kimura. But um, yeah. Nemkov versus Corey Anderson, mate, is quite a tasty final for your light, he- uh, light heavyweight. Uh, Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Nemkov. Was... They've ever fought before. I, sh- I thought I... they had fought before, but yeah, Nem- Nem- yeah. Nemkov's uh, he's he's racked up a few old fights on other promotions, hasn't he? Before he come over to Bellator, mm. um, I believe. Um, yeah, 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 he's been around. Yeah, uh, but Nemkov's you know really really good, very well rounded. Um, Kuriansa's got got that size advantage, but Nemkov's not. A stranger to dealing with people bigger than himself, indeed. Like that, uh, Anglicos, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. He's a big guy, man. He had considerable yeah, I mean, height, height advantage. And, like, yeah, he's not very big at the weight, but he does have cardio for days because of it. Um, he's probably not cut, cutting hardly any weight whatsoever, and um, he goes at the same pace all the way through. And as those rounds tick by, suddenly that pace seems quite fast for the other competitors. and he started to run away with it against Anglicus, uh, just started really smashing him on the ground. He kept on getting uh, like crucifix-style positions. Um, Anglicus, he showed vulnerability there on his back. He was uh, sometimes a little clueless almost. It wasn't like he didn't have the energy to do what was needed to do to get out of some of these uh, bottom positions that he was in because um, he's got that size advantage as well. He just technically didn't have the know-how. Uh, really showed some vulnerability there. But Nemkov, you know, he was up against what he was up against on the feet. Didn't look so convincing, but I think maybe that was the size uh, that was to play there. But certainly when he got on top and got grappling, yeah, he 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 had his shoulders above the competitor. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting one. Um, yeah, exciting so one. Uh, Nemkov is yeah. uh, on a nine-fight win streak, eight of those in Bellator. So he's 8-0 and oh in Bellator. He also beat Ryan Bader uh, a couple of fights ago. And he's beaten yeah. Phil Davis twice. He's beaten uh, Rafael Carvalho. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a set of names big, right there. Big yeah. names there. So if Corey Anderson thinks he's going to go in there and start Jim, um, I think he needs to be very careful because I think yeah. Corey Anderson's coming to Bellator and looked very, very good. But yeah, I think if Corey's going to win... He's got to be wary, haven't he, I think. Yeah, it, it, I think the only way Corey can win is by stoppage of some sort. He has to stop Nemkov. Uh, I just think over five rounds, as soon as it starts going into the latter rounds, three, four and five, I think it's Nemkov's all day. I just think he'll start start landing too much on Corey. Unless Corey can really control and get some top ground players, a big, big guy, 6'3", a solid heavy, heavyweight guy. I'm sure he, uh, like heavyweight guy, I'm sure he cuts a fair bit of weight too. Um, he could lay and pray. If he gets get top position on the end for any meaningful amount of time in the first three rounds, that could help him ride through the championship rounds. But I think initially my prediction is going to be that Nemkov will start running away with it in latter rounds three, four, and five. So Corey Anderson's lost four of his last nine fights um, in the UFC, and then he's come to Bellator and he's won. He's stopped three people on the bounce, uh, yeah. stopped them early. So. 
he's going to be full of confidence. He's had three fights since November the fifth in two, uh, two, 2020. So mm-hmm. he's had he's been quite active. Yeah, they've all been quite short fights. Um, whereas yeah. Nem, Nemkov's had a couple of decisions, a couple of finishes. He's on an eight-fight win streak. I, he's a very, very dangerous opponent. I gotta say, yeah, big, big, big fan. Um, look, there was a couple of other fights on Bellator's card which I was really interested in, and and like for guys I know who who are watching in the chat and stuff, um, who want to like catch up on some of these fights, go on the BBC iPlayer and watch the Bellator. Uh, what is it? Two six, two six eight. Uh, card some really good fights on there. Free BBC iPlayer. Um, but we'll just leave it there for the Bellator one, mate. I think for tonight. Um, yeah. Um, we'll switch over very quickly to the UFC to finish us off. Um, so we had UFC uh, Vegas or Fight Night, whatever they're called, the UFC Vegas 40. Um, ve- uh, very quickly, Danny Roberts, the Brit on the prelims, mate, won via a split decision. Um, yeah, it was a war. Bit closer than we thought it was going to be, perhaps. But yeah, I think um, that's a good good win for Danny Roberts because, like you said, that was a brutal, uh, brutal fight, a war of uh, attrition. Yeah, um, it was. When you pick up those close victories, they can be just as satisfying as a you know a, a thirty second minute start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a you know it wasn't a straightforward affair for him, but. You know, in that was being such a tough fight, both striking, wrestling and ground, there was kind of a bit of a mix of all things going on. And the fact that the pace was getting pushed hard, you know, he was getting marked up in the fight as well. And we got to see a lot of what he's capable of and what a lot of what he's uh, able to take as well. Because, like I say, it didn't all go his own way um, throughout that match. Um, it was a great scalp to put on his resume as well. So, yeah, um, onwards and upwards for Danny Edwards, it's kind of exciting times for him and being a southpaw as well, a natural southpaw, I think that poses some problems uh, for a certain stylist. Um, he seems to make that work well for him as well. Yeah. I thought he was really impressive. Like Gaz has said there, um, thought Danny Roberts showed, uh, showed so much heart, chin and skill. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I think that says a lot. It's not just that he was like able to take the shots and it was a war. Like he showed a lot of skill as well. Um, yeah. We knew he had, you know, he's got some good striking behind him and he's he's a good fighter. But it was that's some we talked about Paddy having to go through some adversity and Jack Shaw recently yeah. they had a bit of adversity, but their their quality shone shone through. And yeah. same for Danny Roberts, I think, mate. Just because maybe he hasn't got the same uh like perhaps following or whatever you want to say from the scousers or or from the Welsh Welsh uh, people, like he was very, very good and I thought it was an impressive accomplished performance under a lot of pressure yeah absolutely yeah i mean yeah he doesn't with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Very come with the same types of personalities, but doesn't mean you're any less of a fighter to do so. You know, he, he's come in there, and I think performance of, like, uh, of, of that sort of elk um, shout from the rooftops in its own right. You know, he doesn't have to shout about himself. That performance will be spoken about amongst the, the other fighters and other competitors, and they know that he's someone that's going to, or already is proving himself to be the real deal and someone to worry about if you're going to be matched up against him. He's going to be pushing you in every range. And even if you hurt him, he's going to look to fight back every time. He ain't going to lay down and just give up. Yeah, there'll be a few fighters in the, that division who'll be looking at Danny Roberts and thinking, I fancy a bit of a bang with him because um, yeah, because of the way he goes about his business. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, my friend. Um, mm. So the main card came about. We had um, Manon Furier versus uh, Myra Buano Silva, which went to unanimous decision to Manon uh, Fiore. Um, I'm a big fan of Manon Fiore. I think she's such an interesting fighter. Um, mm. There's just something there which, when I'm I watch it and I'm just like, wow, there's just something. I, I can't quite put my finger on what it is yet, mate. But something is. Uh, Something about yeah, that I think she, she has might a, end up being a superstar. Uh, yeah, she's got that kind of style like a Wonder Boy, hasn't she? She's um, got that cry style. Uh, yeah, rangy, um, works in well-timed flurries um, and ruthlessly flurrying. I mean, sometimes, you know, receiving shots herself because of her incredible work rate. She was um, sometimes on the receiving end of uh, punches and kicks as she come in. And she had a very, very nasty-looking hematoma on her shin as well. So I think because of that slight side-on stance where they clash shins, she had a nasty one. But it didn't stop her throwing kicks, so she showed some true toughness in there. Um, I just think the whole cardio as well was frustrating Silva. Um, Silva was clearly showing that none of these punches and kicks were bothering her in a way that was ever going to stop her. But it just really just demonstrate the fact that she was frustrated and lost. And I think she was really lost on the fact that she's obviously got a very, very strict formed striking background, which kind of touching on what I was trying to get at really earlier when we was on with Ryan uh, Evans, or sorry, Rory Evans, uh, that, um, you know, a, a lot of the MMA striking now to cover that extra range, you've got to switch your stances as you come forward. Now, Silva just didn't demonstrate any of that. She was trying to shuffle forward very much in the form that she took, which was left leg forward, right leg back. The only issue with that in a circular shape of an octagon is that you can't cover ground very quickly to get your own shots off. She had to play counterfire. She had to anticipate the entry of... Uh, very odd, I think that's how you pronounce her name. But she was coming on with dominant center line as well with that side kick and made it very, very difficult for Silva to get anything off of her own right. She should have really tried to uh, um, uh, create more chains of uh, entry if she wanted to stand a chance of getting back at her. But mm. yeah, it was an impressive form. You're absolutely right. Look, she, she demonstrated wrestling as well. She didn't need to. She was winning on the feet. Um, but she was shooting in, mixing it up with the takedowns as well. It was to behold the whole performance. Um, you know, but let's also look at criticisms here. I think as a criticism, sometimes when she was pushing that high work rate, she was getting fatigued to a point, but although recovering very, very quickly and getting back to the work rate ethic. But she was sometimes ducking her head very wide and very low and, um, and sometimes pushing away to disengage from the clinch and again, dropping her head very, very low, you know, Against a more experienced girl with a different skill set, that might not work so well. 
Um, so maybe they've got to work on that aspect. I think she was so far ahead on the strikes, I think maybe she could have tidied down and towed down the flurries, towed down their work rate with a little crisper work rate and maybe pick and choose in her little flurries and being more tactical about her approach instead of working so hard uh, throughout the whole match. Yeah, I think that's a fair shot, mate. Um, next up, Eric, Eric Gonzalez versus Jim Miller. This one uh, didn't last too long. Um, yeah. We said, uh, I think we both went for Jim Miller in this one. No, I went for Jim Miller. You went against him. Nah, if you can, you can look back. Uh, I've been getting them right an awful lot lately, and I've noticed we've been quiet on my uh, yeah, victories on this. Uh, mate, <laughs> yeah, Jim Miller, man, love this guy to bits. Oh, it's funny because in 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 the you know a good number of years ago, I was never really a, a fan of his, but mm. um, I really warmed to his style, warmed to his personality, and thirty eight, so, uh, thirty eight years old, and being that he's not even a big lightweight. Um, I just think with his age and where he's at in his fight career, he just chooses not to cut a lot of weight and do the lightweight division. Yeah, he gives away natural size to people and he's always had really good cardio. And so he, it, it, it must mean that he's living a, a clean life and really truly living this fighter's lifestyle. And he yeah. has intentions of being in there to UFC 300 because um, that way he would have started on the uh, UFC 100, 200 and 300 and that would be quite some accomplishment, um, especially in that weight division. As we know, the heavier you go, the more longer you can seem to take your career uh, age-wise. But uh, if anyone can do it, Jim Miller can do it. And not only is he uh, a seasoned ageing competitor, he shows no signs of really of slowing up. Yes, he's had some recent losses um, but he still strings together a fair old few amount of wins too. Um, very, very dangerous guy. That cross hand of his was just prime. He's a southpaw. That cross left was landing time and time again. Gonzalez wasn't really giving it any um, respect. And in that second round, it cost him and it cost him dear. Look, Jim Miller's yeah. a real, real killer. Um, he can strike some. He's definitely a good wrestler, although he did get taken down by Gonzalez. Um, so respect for Gonzalez for that, because Jim Miller's a, a pretty decent wrestler. He's demonstrated that time time again mm. in the UFC. But he can also grapple some and submit you. He's truly dangerous wherever it may go. Absolutely, mate. Um, it's uh, interesting, but uh, Andre Lovsky went to another decision. Should oh, yeah, by the way, this was another um, prediction oh. of mine that I got right. Just well, then you go to another decision. He's been well, no, he, yeah, but come on, this guy's in his forties, and wow, he's been around for so so long. We're talking about Jim Miller. Um, you know, I think it was that was his thirty eighth fight, thirty uh, eighth appearance in UFC, and I think that's Olovsky's thirty fifth um, appearance in UFC. I mean, it's truly, truly incredible. incredible. Um, but he looks better than ever. And again, to recap on what we was talking about with Rory. Um, about how the MMA, in terms of its striking, has its individuality as well, separate from K1 and boxing and, and the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu and so on and so forth. Oloski really showed evolution um, and evolutionary change as the sports changed in that he was switching his stances up. He was light and airy on his feet, whereas before he was very, very stuck in the mud. He was very, very taken centre of the cage, um, had a different... Uh, approach to his MMA, but he absolutely brought the right type of tactics, right type of strategy to beat someone like Carlos Philip. Because Felipe, man, this guy's a devastating striker, mm -hmm. devastating striker. But he stayed elusive, he stayed um, spacious, 
He stayed very, very aware. Did get gassed at one point, but a big guy bouncing around the cage like that for uh, 15 minutes is is going to be hard on even the younger athletes. So amazing that Olosk is uh, doing it and is a well-deserved win. Indeed, mate. Um, it's an uh, interesting fight, nonetheless. I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the main event as well of uh, Norma Dumont defeated Aspen Ladd uh, via unanimous decision. Aspen Ladd with arguably the bigger name, but the ranked fighter came up on out on top. Yeah, Aspen Ladd, I was left confused with the first two rounds. Um, the whole fight, um, you know, I'm always going to be honest on here. You know, I've been a big fan of watching the, the, the women fight. They really do throw down and I've really been enjoying it. But this one was not the way I thought it was going to be. And um, it, it, it was slow paced. It was quite inactive. Um, it got more interesting as time went on. I think the round three, and f- uh, you know, rounds four and five were much more better than rounds one, two and three. Um, Lad just took too long to get going. I think by the time she realised what she could have been doing to put Dermont into some difficulties, uh, it was all too late. It was all too late. She should have been doing this for maybe from round two, but she chose to do it in round four. Uh, I, was, I was bewildered from that. I think maybe she was scared of the five rounds. I don't know, but let's not take any point away from Norma Dermont. Really great jab. She demonstrated it very, very well. She knew she just didn't want to get wrestled, um, so she had to stay spacious. And she did that to really, really good effect. I mean, really, the, the fight for her was about that jab. That's what won it for her, pretty much. But um, she did so some great takedown defense, and she even got takedowns of her own right against Ladd. Um, a great performance by her, but just a different point in fight to watch. You know, it's not something that I would ever choose to go back and watch again. Mm. Yeah, it was kind of one of them, wasn't it? It was all right. Yeah, yeah. was not the way I thought it was going to be. Did we not miss a fight as well? Did we? Uh, uh, that's all I've got on the main card. Was there not uh, claim, claim? Was he not on the main card? And Nate nope. Landwer? Uh, Nate, Nate Landwer versus Ludwig Quang was the main event of the prelims. We could talk ah. about Anaconda Choke in the third round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Anaconda it, Choke, mate. It's it was, but... It, it was a, a really good tear up, but that Nate Ledwell, he, he was on the receiving end, uh, a lot of it in the first round, but he's just so gutsy and pushes forward. And um, yeah, he, he ended up literally just you know, beating the fight out of his opponent. He really did. He uh, just kept pushing forward and exhausted his uh, opponent. And I think he just really just broke him. Uh, I think, if you're, which is rare to see these days. I mean, the, these men and women are, um, you know, the ones that make it to this sort of height and this sort of level on UFC, they've got something about them that don't get pushed over easy. And not to say that any of these two fighters were pushed over easy, but um, I think that was the case here. I think this is, he broke that claim. He broke him. Um, he just had nothing left uh, at the end. and Because he got put in a few Anaconda-style chokes, didn't he? And he was surviving the first few attempts. But with exhaustion and having that, that, that arm and head choke, I think he just didn't have nothing left. Just had nothing left to give. Indeed, mate. Um, it was I, I, one of my favorite submission uh, finishes or submission holds is the, the anaconda choke. Um, mm-hmm. it looks like quite a complex one, is it? Uh, no, it's not. You can see more and more of them. Um, and, and something I said to my students a, lot a of few the, years of ago the, of these like different types of chokes over the last probably two years, more than yeah, that's I right. Think, yeah, five I, years I, I did. 
Yeah, I, I said um, a few years ago to the students, I, I try to predict what what's going to happen. And um, I, I said, I think you're going to see be seeing a lot more head and arm chokes. And I think this is going to become because of, um, you know, failed entries for the shoot. And mm. also um, people are scrambling up from the ground, not only using the fence, but they put their back against the fence, but people also getting into a turtle position to scramble to the fence. And in, in, in giving that turtle position, you're going to, have the attempts at trying to nail that anaconda choke, that head and arm choke, because they have to try and scramble up. They get their hips up, but the head and not, um, head and shoulders is the last thing to, to, to come up. And, um, yeah, so I'm not surprised that we're seeing an influx of this style of technique. Um, in application, no, it's not overly uh, complicated. I think it's because um, it could be seen as being complicated because you're sticking a spin and a turn on it, although that's there are other variants where you don't need to. But anacondas, you sort of like kick through. You do like a gator roll. Um, and, and and so it's a bit like, um, you know, you've got a sidekick and then you can have a, a reverse sidekick where you stick a little spin on it. And then you can have a jumping reverse sidekick. Well, the jumping reverse sidekick looks complicated because it's more flamboyant in its visual. And it's the same with that submission, really. Um, like I say, you don't have to do the under contra choke with a gator roll. You can um, just bowl them over to do it. In fact, we saw two both variants in that fight. Um, but it can look complicated for that fact. And it looks quite laced up with the arms, doesn't it? But basically, it's a rear naked choke with the arm in, effect, but you're not on the rear. You, you, you know, you're in an, an inverted north-south position. Okay. Yeah. Like it, mate. Right. Yep. Rob Boyle asked us about Ronda Rousey, my friend. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's... Talk to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, obviously, she was hugely impactive, but at a time when female MMA was truly still establishing itself, and um, the, the the women's MMA would have had to have still gone through some kind of evolutionary um, uh, progression as the men's did. Apart mm -hmm. from the men's was done very gradual because you know. Um, you know, nothing had ever been seen like it before. So it was a very, very gradual process. And the rules changed as well as things uh, developed in MMA to make it safer. You know, they took away fence grabbing where you could hold the fence to keep yourself up back in the very, very early uh, case events. Um, but so the same sort of thing happened really with the, the female sport. She was very, very exemplary in the judo aspect. And and, and she put that over very, very well in the um, MMA arena. She was able to, you know, get in close, um, trip these girls down, throw them down. And clearly she has a lot of armbar repertoire off of those takedowns that she drilled in from all those years of judo. And she was able to apply it very, very well. Um, but I think as the women were coming in and becoming more evolved, she become a whole lot more ineffective quite simply because uh, when someone's only got one realm to dominate, it doesn't yeah. become much of a tactic, much of a strategy of planning with your coaching team to know to avoid it. And right. um, I think I think Ronda Rousey would have still been top of the tree for a lot longer had she had a decent striking coach that understood mm -hmm. MMA because um, they would have added more layers to her game and used the striking to get back into the relevancy of her clinch and takedowns. But she was left really, really lost she when she was to, kept outside. She had Edmund uh, Tavardian doing a coaching. Um, and look, Oh, he's a joke know, of a guy. Yeah, but, but you know, like when it comes to grappling and things like that, he's, he's, you know, he's a sixth, I think he's a sixth Dan black belt in judo and he's got grappling and, uh, 
you know, the Gracies and all these different people. Mm-hmm. Like he's 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 got that skill set, but you could he was coaching her striking and yeah. it was shocking. Um yeah, it was she, shocking. Got, she was Amanda Nunes come along and Holly Home and people who who were dangerous quality strikers, she didn't have an answer. No, um, no, she did not. Because if she but, couldn't get hands on people to throw her no, out, she did not no. have an answer. However, what I will say, Rob, is she did change the game in terms of how people viewed female fights. So oh, before, she, she put, before she came yeah. along, nobody gave a flying F about female fights on no. in terms of the UFC. Whereas yeah. now, they're some of the most exciting fights. I say that, however... The last couple of weeks haven't always haven't indicated that, but on the whole, the women's fights are normally pretty good. Um, yeah, particularly the the big big name fighters. The last two weeks of UFC, so uh, I'm reckoning the US, UFC uh, in the YouTube chat says, uh, "Let's be real, boys. The UFC was horrible the last two weeks. Three women's fights last week, four women's fights this week. Almost no named fighters, <clears throat> but." He says, I have a serious question. If you read the chat, he says, uh, UFC is like 10 fighters over 40. What do you draw from that? So before you answer that, obviously I was very critical of Bellator previously because they had mm-hmm. so many of these aging fighters that I felt like it was not something which I wanted to watch. They, they Over the last 18 months, they've, they've amended that a little bit by signing... Uh, Khabib's cousin, they signed Brett Johns, they signed uh, a few other younger fighters, and they're doing a pretty good job of building some new names, some new stars, but there's still work to be done. Is UFC in danger of doing the same thing, in your opinion, Dan, or do you think there's enough young talent in there to weigh it up? Yeah, I think, you know, seeing fighters in their 40s is uh, an ever-increasing dying thing to see you know i just don't think it's going to happen um in the coming fighters, years off the top of your head dan any of those fighters over 40 any of them like fighting at the very top uh no top not, not really not any longer no not any longer than that sort of drifting out think, of the top 15 i think if there's any like really yeah. up there so you've got uh fabrico vadum yeah he's left now i think he's hasn't left, he? he's not in... damian meyer's still there Yo, yeah, Romero. But did Romero get released? He's left. He yeah, he's released. He's a, uh, yeah, um, and he looked terrible in. Uh, yeah, he, he went over to okay. Bellator as well, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> Alexi Olyanek. So a lot of them are the the kind of heavier weight classes. Yeah, naturally. Uh, yeah, again, we touched on that, didn't we? Earlier, it's definitely mm-hmm. the heavier weights that have that age. I think the youngest sort of like lighter weight guy was oh, crikey, game being names, uh, the wrestling dude. Ah, uh, fought a bantamweight. Uh, I can't think of his name. <laughs> I'm terrible, but yeah, um, I think he just uh, he turned forty and fought once in his forties. But he may well fight again. I can't think of his bloody name. That was going to bug the hell out of me. Um, you know, he, fought J- he fought, he fought, he fought Jesse Aldo, Aldo, and Aldo absolutely wrecked his legs. It was the last time we saw Jesse Aldo really attack the legs. Um, uh, crikey. The name has really gone from, but he—he's—he's he, yeah. he's turned forty. Um, some of the fight, uh, the viewers, they will be knowing who I'm trying to go on about. He, he used to have long hair, but cut it short. 
you had a bit of rivalry, but never fought him. He had rivalry with Conor McGregor during the, the fighter series and stuff like that. Oh, um, oh now you got me going. <laughs> it's so um, annoying, isn't it? We can't... The oldest active fighter in the UFC is Alexei Olyanek, who's 43. Then you've got Damian Myers, 42. Yeah. Um, but the, these but aren't guys not... who are like... They're almost like gateway guys who they give to the sort of up-and-coming... Guy yeah, to break into the 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 um into the rankings, um, look, I think it only becomes a problem, um, if they stop signing young up and coming fighters, and like even if you just look at it from a European perspective, some of the names we've been talking about this evening: Paddy Pimblett, um, Jack Shaw, uh. You know, all these guys, um, Jake Hadley's just signed for the Contender Series, uh, Arnold Allen, uh, Corey McKenna, Modestus. There's all these different fighters, different weights. Uh, the, the Tom Aspinall in the heavyweight division, um, Leon Edwards. You've got all these guys who are like in peak age or younger. So, and, the, you know, they will assign similar talents from yeah. different parts of the world as well. Of course they will. But I just think... That age thing, like my problem with Bellator, for instance, was that they were focusing on guys, you know, and you are talking a few years ago, but they were focusing heavily on guys like Rampage and and all these different guys. Like it was almost like these freak show fights that you're seeing now in boxing. And yeah, I, yeah. Didn't want, I wanted Bellator to be a genuine contender to UFC. And to do mm-hmm. that, you have to build new stars. And I do feel like UFC is doing a pretty good job of building some new stars. Now, I think maybe yeah, a year yeah. or two, maybe a year, 18 months ago, the UFC was maybe struggling a little bit to, mm. to build new big names because Cormier yeah, yeah. left. Um, McGregor was like not really fighting. John Jones, will we ever see him fight again? Who knows? Probably not, in my opinion. Um, mm. You know, all these guys were kind of coming, and these, you know, GOAT level guys were coming to the end of their careers, which meant yeah. that. They were. It did feel like they weren't building up these new names, but I think there's there's like a massive amount of talent in the UFC now. Young guys, um, even though I count Johnny Walker in there. Johnny Walker is so young, like yeah. in terms of his UFC career. Yes, he's had a couple of losses, but you know he's an exciting guy who gets people watching. Um, I think he's 29. That's like peak age for a fighter. Chase training with. Um, John Kavanagh now as well, isn't he? And I think mm-hmm. he lost. I know he lost to uh, Tiago Santos for a decision, but I think he's making the kind of right moves. But mm-hmm. I count him as a name. I know he's twenty nine, but I can't. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Him is someone who could be a big name if he does the right things for a few years. Um, mm. you know, there's it's the net the list is endless, mate. But yeah. I don't believe there's yes, I don't like seeing 40 year olds, 43 year olds fighting. I gotta be honest, I we said this a few weeks ago, 
um, I think is dangerous. I think is I understand why they're still there, but yeah, do I want to see it? Probably not. Leave it to no, them. no. I mean, they're real. There are oddities anyway. Um, you know, that's why I say hats off to Olofsky. You know, you can see physically he keeps himself in really, really good nick and he does still notch up some wins. And even the losses that he had in recent times have been really, really close fights. Um, yeah, he has been knocked down a few times. But, you know, I think as long as they are performing well, it doesn't look like they're going to be pushing themselves to, to a, a, a lifelong injury or lifelong issues through staying in the fight game too, too long. I think all the power to them, but it is going to be something that I think we're going to see less and less and less off because the pull and the talent and the, the, how young they are when they're coming up through now is of such that people in their 40s just will not be able to compete. Um, I just think the last weight divisions that you're going to see where that old age get pushed out is the light heavyweight and heavyweight division. Um yeah, and you know, as for some UFCs not being as good as others, well, yeah, that's going to happen as well. Um, sometimes uh, that's that's a case of just sometimes certain fighters stylistically, you know, just don't match up well, and yeah. and it can happen. But I think largely we're we've been very very much yeah. treated to amazing Absolutely. spectacles with UFC. I, I'd say those Especially bad UFCs are very rare. COVID, the COVID era has been phenomenal, mate, isn't it? Um, yeah, I want to very quickly. Uh, touch on a couple of things. Leon Edwards versus Jorge Masvidal has been announced for the 12th of December. So we followed up Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz with Leon Edwards versus uh, Jorge Masvidal. Mm. Are you excited by that fight? I'm excited by it, but I just feel absolutely gutted for him that he's not getting title shots. It's, yeah, it's unreal, mate. And he's gone it is down. absolutely unreal. Uh, I might be wrong, but I think he's gone down one in the rankings as well. Yeah, it's just absolutely second, but he's now I would, third. I would love to be able to get him on. Um, I um, some of my students do go up and train uh, with yeah, a wrestling guy that he trains him. with. Get him. Uh, I, I would love to, even if it's just for fifteen minutes, just to put to him how he's feeling about it. He might be totally, you know, I don't want to say clueless, um, but he might be totally, you know, not seeing our point of view and happy just to take these fights and happy just to be there on that world stage. I don't know. But surely he must feel like, hey, what's going on? There's a bit of favouritism going on because that's certainly what it feels like to me. I wouldn't mind if he was a boring fighter, but he's not. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's not only great technically, physically, he presents himself very, very well, but, you know, he brings a good fight to the table every time too. But hey, Indeed, but that mate. said, look, let's let's concentrate on what it is and what a great fight that is. It's going to be a great tear up. But my money is on on our man every time for that one. Yes, indeed, mate. And next week, uh, Rick, you mentioned that the fights haven't been as good the last couple of weeks. Next week, we have Paolo Costa versus Marvin Vittori in a main event. <sighs> That yeah, that's going to be banger. good. And we have Mason Jones, uh, previous guest on the show, friend of the show, is on uh, the prelims for his second fight in the UFC. And if you saw his first fight in the UFC, oh, then amazing you fight. know it's going to be an absolute banger. He has got, um, he's going to have something, he's going to feel like he's got something to prove. I don't think he's got anything to prove, but because I think he showed so much in that first fight. Mm. even though he lost um, the decision. Um, but he's fighting Alan Patrick, who I think, you know, is an experienced fighter. Um, 
so that's going to be really interesting. But uh, yeah. Mason's uh, an animal, mate. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see how the Welshman gets on. Yeah, yeah. Do you think he'll? Uh, do you think he wins? What's your prediction for the? Fight? Yeah, I think he will. I, I think he'll win. Yeah, I think he'll just keep. I think he'll just edge it each round. I think he's practice capabilities. I think probably if he, he if anyone's going to stop it, he will stop it. I think he's got the capabilities to stop it. And but I think if this guy's done any research of what Mason Jones is all about, he will not be wanting to pocket fight with him. No. And I think it, I think he's going to get chased around a little bit. I think, and I think he could Mason, get. He yeah, could get. I think Mason's going to pour it on, um, and he's going to be looking for the finish. And I think it's going to be very difficult for this guy to. I think it'd be very difficult for Patrick to survive three rounds because Mason's stamina mm. as it is, he will oh, be non non-stop, yeah. non-stop for three rounds just going forward and pouring it on. And there's not many fighters who can survive that. We saw what it was like mm. when he went up a weight in Cage Warriors. People can't live with him. And that's what was so impressive about his debut match, in fact, um, mm. was that his opponent was able to, and him, they just beat the crap out of each other for three rounds yeah, basically yeah. it was yeah. uh, it was unreal um but yeah it's gonna end it's you know they batted each other they were bruised it was uh it was an incredible fight um i'm trying to find it, it was uh davis wasn't it um yeah, yeah. i can't figure it was, wasn't it? But yeah i mean physically that guy's an absolute specimen as well isn't he athletic um yes. Yeah, I still say Mason Jones edged that for me. He just showed us he wanted it more in that fight. Uh, he began to break Davis, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, yes, indeed, mate. It's, uh, it's just, I think, a five-rounder probably would have gone the other way, but such as three rounds and all the, all that stuff. But the, between that and the main event next week, mate, really, really looking forward to that. Um, yeah. And I think we'll get some news on uh, a few other fighters over the next couple of weeks as well, coming up to Christmas. So it's uh, going to be looking good. So keep a, keep an eye out. Uh, stick with us. We'll be back next Sunday at 8 o'clock with another guest from the combat sports world, as well as talking those fights that we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you've got lots and lots of stuff coming up. I've got um, an inter uh, interview with Gary Tunin and an interview with... Fan Lee, the one championship featherweight champion, and his contender for their December bout. They got an interview with uh, each of those coming very soon, so look out for those. And um, I'll be back tomorrow with me, myself, and I. So uh, do check that out, seven thirty Monday, and uh, of course check out the audio version of tonight's fight show later on or tomorrow morning, um, and the audio version of Rodri Giggs and Rodri Giggs on football. Every Friday at uh, seven thirty PM is live, and uh, really people are loving that. It's been picking up a lot of uh, a lot of chatter and steam. Uh, Rodri and his brutal honesty is, is phenomenal to see. It's got to be said, very enjoyable stuff. Danny Patton, as ever, it's been yes, uh, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Yes, I and listeners, yeah, thanks again. Oh yes. Cheers, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and, and take care. Enjoy yourselves and make sure you join me tomorrow for uh, me, myself and I 
because I'm not going to be a happy bunny. I'm not happy bunny this evening anyway. Luckily, Danny and Rory have cheered me up a little bit. But um, I'll leave you with a clip with one championship heavyweight champion, Arjan Bula, to play you out. Good tag. That's what it is. Um, and, yeah, you know, before we get go get more gold uh, in the cage, I'm looking to get gold in the pro wrestling arena um, okay. in, the, in the squared circle. And um, I'm hoping um, sort of September-ish we've got something firmed up, um, which is just around the corner. So excited, excited, been patiently waiting to get busy again. I'm I'm fascinated by that. Um, with the, you mentioned wrestling there, I do a, a variety of series and podcasts, and wrestling is one of them. Um, is there like a particular country, uh, company which you're looking to work with, or can you not say? There's two leading ones. You know, wrestling's never been hotter um, yeah. because of what these two companies are doing. Obviously, WWE, WWE, and uh, All Elite Wrestling, AEW, uh, which is on TNT, just like uh, One Championship, was just announced a deal for India just a couple of weeks ago. Um, obviously, the WWE's got a long storied history. Um, they're always there. and But, uh, you know, uh, they, they brought back SummerSlam was this weekend. They brought back um, Becky Lynch, the man. They brought it back Brock Lesnar. Um, and on the flip side, he had CM Punk come back uh, oh, yeah. for AEW. So things have never been hotter. I see. I could switch now and just talk about talk wrestling with you for the next uh, next ten minutes. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh... Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.